Hello again. This is Pastor Tino with another episode of One Pastor's Point of View. Because I'm one pastor and I have a point of view. It's not inerrant, it's not infallible, but hopefully what I say and how I interpret scripture or what I see in the scriptures that we'll be studying will challenge you and will cause you to think and to question and to think and to question some more to come up with how the scripture can best apply to your own everyday life. I want to thank you all for those that have been listening and showing your support. God bless you. Let's go into God's word. I'd like everyone to get their Bibles right now, and let's turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. We're going to be looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan. The title of the sermon is very simple. Jesus is our Good Samaritan. We need to imitate him. As much as Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, and as much as you might want to, if you know me and you think my Christian life is advanced or doing really well and you want to imitate me as a leader, I'm very nervous with that because ultimately we all have to imitate Christ. Now, the reason I did this sermon a few weeks ago is because I remembered a quote from an agnostic, an unnamed agnostic, I don't remember the person's name, and this is what he said. As long as your God is not warmth, touch, and compassion, I will remain an agnostic. As long as your God is not warmth, touch, and in compassion, I will remain an agnostic. It's not enough to be doctrinal. It's not enough to be charismatic. It's not enough to be any of those things if we're not warm, if we don't touch others with our love and our kindness and we show compassion to even our enemies. Now, let's look at the parable itself. Beginning in verse 25 of Luke chapter 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, notice that question. What must I do, and then after that, to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, that is, Jesus said. And how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and and all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, wow. Well, he didn't use the word wow, but he was surprised. He was shocked in a good way. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, not just think this, and you will live in me. The expert of the law wanted to justify himself, that he wanted to prove himself in a sense that, you know, he's been doing pretty good. So, and he asked the question to Jesus as a good Jew would in those days. Who is my neighbor? Well, a Jewish person would say my neighbor is basically other Jewish people and proselytes, people that are becoming Jewish from the the Gentile community. In reply, Jesus said the parable of the Good Samaritan. A man, what was his name? We don't know. Was going down Jerusalem to Jericho. Probably a Jew who was in a particular feast day where they all gathered together to Jerusalem to celebrate it. 
And a man was going down from Jerusalem, because everything went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, another Jewish city, when he fell into the hands of robbers, and they stripped him of his clothes, and they beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So he looked like he was dead. And a priest happened to be traveling the same road, coming from Jerusalem also, probably from the same feast, who happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he thought he was dead. That's implied. And he passed by to the other side because he doesn't want to become unclean. So too the Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, again, thinking that he was dead, and, and, and a Jewish person can't touch an, a dead person, they would become ceremonially unclean. And when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But the Samaritan, the hated Samaritans, and as he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, shockingly, he took pity on another, a Jew. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds with bandages of his own. And, and he bandaged his wounds and pouring expensive oil and wine, which was a commodity of wealth in some ways, medicinal also. And then he put this man on his own donkey. Remember the issue of uncleanness. And took him to an inn and took, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper. And look at what he said. Look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Now here comes the corrective question of Jesus to, to the scribe's question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. And the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And this is what Jesus told them, go and do likewise. That is, become my disciple. Now remember the question that I posed in the beginning that motivated me to look at this parable. As long as our God is not warm, touch, and compassion, I will remain an agnostic because what's not going to sway me is your philosophical or theological understanding of the gospel, but rather your practice of the gospel. Remember, let's look at this passage again. He was an expert in the law. That means that what he said was already in the books, already understood by the, by the Judaism of Jesus, say, as well as accepted by Jesus. And he, and, he, and he asked this, it says, to test Jesus. Now remember, in those days, the rabbis constantly debated one another and they tested each other's belief systems. And to test Jesus does not necessarily mean to entrap him, or it could mean that. And notice Jesus' similar response that's recorded in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Notice verse 27, the response. And he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, totally give yourself over to love, and love your neighbor as yourself. First John says that's how you love God. If you love one another, you show your love towards God. So this is a similar idea. And Jesus uses this passage in, in, different, in a slightly different context in the rest of the Synoptic Gospels in Matthew and Mark, and we'll look at Mark a little later. So Jesus, so the response, now notice 
the summary, well, rather this response is the summary, really a summary of the Ten Commandments that's relevant both to the Old Testament and to the New Testament covenant. This is found in Deuteronomy 6.15, Leviticus 19.18, and especially Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. I want us to look at that one. Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Now remember, the book of Romans talks about justification by faith, salvation, sanctification, you know, how important it is to believe in Jesus Christ, both for the Jew and the Gentile. But look at what he says here in Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except continuing the continuing debt of love for one another. For he who loves his fellow man, not just his Christ, the Christian brothers and sisters, but a fellow man has fulfilled the law. And if you fulfill the law, you please God. The commandments say, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever, ever com- what, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. And to put it more practically, verse 10 tells us what this means is don't do any physical, emotional, and relational harm to your neighbor. And your neighbor is your fellow man. Therefore, love, again, he says it a second time, is the fulfillment of the law. And if you fulfill the law, you please God. And God's grace is upon you. So all the other commandments are actualized in this one statement, love your neighbor as yourself. How is it that this response by the rabbi is okay with Jesus? Because Jesus says, you've spoken correctly. Let's look at Jesus' words right now. Verse 28, and he says, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, do this, and you will live. He's talking spiritually here. You will live. And I think it's okay with Jesus Because first of all, it agrees with other New Testament ideas in 1 John that tells us that when we love others, we are actually showing love for God. Because love implies action. Love implies not only feeling, but it implies relationship. So what Jesus is basically telling him is that you're loving, fulfilling this commandment is showing love to another person. So love implies relationship, whether it is to the other person, whether it is to the Lord. We love the Lord through other people, our spouses, our children, our neighbors. Later on, he's going to have a little objection to who is his neighbor, and we'll look at that in a moment. My paraphrase would be something like this. What kind of person must I become? How how must I be transformed And what kind of person must I become to inherit and experience eternal life? It is a process. And one thing I want to bring to our attention, let's look at a similar situation in Mark chapter 12, verse 34. It's the same type of setting. One of the teachers of the law came to Jesus. A similar question is asked, what's the most important of the commandments? And he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love your Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. That means totally. And the second one is you express your total love to God by loving your neighbor as you do yourself. 
So we should love ourselves also and respect ourselves. There's no commandment greater than this one. And well said, teacher, the man replied. This is Jesus said that. And the man is concurring with him. The teacher of the law is concurring with him. He replied, you are right in saying that God is one. You're right doctrinally that there is no other but him. And to love him with all our heart and, and with all our understanding, with all our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves is more important than all the burnt offerings and all the sacrifices. What a revelation, this teacher of the law. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, here's the key point. You are not far from the kingdom of God. So we're not denying that we have to be followers of Jesus, but this man was so close to the kingdom of God, all he had to do is follow Christ. And let me just say something. I mean, sometimes I think, this is just my belief, one pastor's point of view, sometimes I think it's, if you're going to be a really lousy Christian and just point to an experience you had 100 years ago, I was born again, I had an experience 25, 30 years ago, and you become a lousy Christian, you hate everybody, dislike everybody, there's no fruit of the Spirit coming out of you. A person that doesn't have our similar uh, doctrinal belief and religious belief that does the act of love, I, I think sometimes that person is in, in better standing with God than we would be because we have the knowledge of Christ. And we believe and we trust and we have experienced the Holy Spirit and He's within us. The Holy Spirit wants to act through us. And so when Jesus saw him, that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. We need to become more like our good Samaritan Savior. Note Luke chapter 10. Let's go back to the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 10, verse 28 where he says he wants to justify himself. He wants to make sure, he wants to tell Jesus, well, you know, I kind of did that because I love my neighbor, but the question is, who is my neighbor? So verse 28, Jesus says, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, verse 29. And so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Remember James chapter 2, verse 26, where he says, as the body without the spirit, or without life, is dead, ineffectual, can't do anything good, so faith without actions and deeds is dead or good for nothing. And the context of James is actually Rahab, the prostitute, who actually hid the Jewish spies in Joshua's chapter 2, who are investigating the situation, I believe, in Jericho. I think it's Jericho. We need to become more in our thoughts and in our actions like the Good Samaritan Savior. The second question that's asked, the first one is, who is my neighbor to justify himself? The second question, the second question is very conservatively Jewish in chapter 10, verse 29, where he wants to justify or confirm that his Jewish viewpoint is enough and that Jesus would agree. And he says, who is my neighbor? Because he thought his neighbors, again, as I said before, are other Jews and proselytes. Those that were pagans that became Jews were circumcised and started obeying the Torah. Now, Jesus' parable is a correction of this narrow religious belief. Remember what it says, what it says in, in Paul in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. 
a marvelous pa passage of scripture. It says, and you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, beginning in verse 26 of chapter 3 of Galatians. For all of you were, who were baptized into Christ, immersed into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ in your living, in your life. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and this, the Good Samaritan parable agrees with this point of view. Now, the main point in this parable and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is reflected more by the actions of the Good Samaritan. Now, even the, 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 the statement, a Good Samaritan, as we usually refer to it, is some people think it's like an oxymoron in those days. And what do I mean by that? A contradiction in terms. You know, good? How could a Samaritan be good? So to say Good Samaritan is a contradiction. But that's why this parable is supposed to shock people. The original people, the people in those days that read this parable were shocked and blessed at the same time. So, the gospel of Jesus Christ is reflected more by the actions of the Good Samaritan, which is a radical claim, than the actions of a priest and a Levite who was supposed to do good works. And they might have thought the victim dead because he was half dead, probably not moving. They thought him dead and therefore unclean. And they moved to the other side. But the Samaritan surprisingly demonstrated the warmth, the touch, and the compassion comparable to the ministry of Jesus. What a surprise to the Jewish reader. There's another saying that I want to quote. I still I don't know who said this, but it makes a lot of sense, and it goes along with my first statement. Unless my Christianity has skin, unless my Christianity has skin, no one can see it. Unless my faith has skin, no one will notice it and it's ineffectual. Again, James chapter 2, verse 26. Here's the third question. It's not only a question of experience, but a question of fruit. And we saw this in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, where he quoted the, the sort of the, the summary of all the commandments, that is where they emerge from, and that's love. Love of God demonstrated through love of people, and also when we look and love people, then we actually know how to love ourselves. Did you ever think of that? When we don't really show respect and love and kindness to people, we probably don't show it to ourselves either. And God is loved by those actions. Now, we do believe, of course, and, and Romans chapter 13, verses 9 and 10 says that also, and we read that before. We, have, we do believe in the evidence of being born from above, the new birth, but we also believe that the initial spiritual experience that we all claim has to be followed by the fruit of that same spirit. It has to be a process of transformation, not to perfection. We will never be perfect in this life but being better at it. I look at the illustration of a boiler. You have an old boiler, you get it removed, then you put a beautiful new boiler, oil boiler, whatever, gas boiler, whatever, and you put it in your home and you set it up and, uh, and the guy tests it, it works good, and he turns it off because it's the summertime. And winter comes and you never turn it on again. You don't let the boiler affect its warmth. It's the same thing with our Christian faith. The Holy Spirit and His righteousness is like God's boiler within us. That we have to turn on the switch. I mean, He fills it with the oil. He fills it with the gas. 
He fills it. But we have to turn it on in order for the warmth to warm us and to warm all those that come to our house. The real question is not what the ruler of the law, the teacher of the law asked, that is, who is my neighbor? But the the corrective question found in verse 36 that corrects verse 29 is, who is my neighbor? Rather, the question is, which of these three were the true neighbor? Which of these three? And wonderfully, this person responds correctly. Look at verse 37. And the expert of the law says, no one, the one, I should say, that had mercy on him. Now, this is such a radical statement because so many times Jesus in the gospel is in a conflictual type of relationship with some of the Pharisees. I said some, not all, and some of the Sadducees and some of the priests. The Sadducees were the priests and and the scribes and the teachers of the law. And there was conversing back and forth and they were testing him, especially whether he healed on the Sabbath and this sort of a thing. But this is a wonderful place where this expert of the law responds correctly, not only to the New Testament idea, but to the Old Testament truth. The one who had mercy on him is the one who fulfills Torah, fulfills the law. But then Jesus says to him in verse 37, the latter part, Jesus told him, go. Just the word go implies a sort of discipleship. I can't answer, I can't ask this person a question whether he accepted Jesus or not. But Jesus is addressing him as a disciple. He says, go and do likewise. Do like I do. I am like the good Samaritan. Be like me, Jesus is saying. We can have a beautiful, beautiful boiler installed in our hearts, and we call it the Holy Spirit. We could fill it with oil and all the potential of warmth that it could not only warm us in our homes, but anyone that comes around us will be warm. But unless the switch is turned on, There's no effect. It's just a boiler. So the question that we started with, and hopefully we got some some part of the answer to it, and that is as long as our God is not warmth and touch and compassion, people will remain agnostic. It's better that we do good and kindness to others so they can bless God for us. And it depends on God and the Holy Spirit how he draws them to himself. So we want to go to the Lord in prayer right now that God will... Help us to apply this word to our own personal lives. Let's pray. And right now, if you're listening to this podcast, if you have some physical issue in your life or some relational issue or some emotional issue, I want you to reach out in faith that the Holy Spirit is not just where I'm speaking from, but he's with you right there in the room. That the Holy Spirit would accomplish his will in your life. If he gives you a healing, praise God for it. If he gives you patience to go through the suffering, praise God. But some person, one person told me once, what if he takes you home? What if he take? what if I die? What if I, what if he takes me home? Well, praise the Lord. You're going to be shouting in glory, as they used to say. But let's give our situations to the Lord right now, whether it be physical, relational, emotional. Let's pray for our country, these United States of America that will be united again beyond just political parties. And let's pray for the, for the health of the gospel in our country. And Father, we just pray now in the name of Jesus. Release your gifts right now of healing to people right now. Those that are listening to this podcast, let the word of God come to them and bring healing to their bodies. Heal people with cancer right now in the name of Jesus. People that are experiencing 
back pain right now, Father, excruciating back pain. I pray in the, I pray in the name of Jesus. Let your Holy Spirit heal. Heal high blood pressure right now, Father, and all other ailments, Father. Just because I don't mention it, Father God, doesn't mean you're not healing. We believe, Father, that it's your purpose to heal as well as to preach the gospel. We believe in both word and spirit. We pray for those that are experiencing emotional distress now, not because for no reason, anxiety for no reason, because that's the definition of anxiety, really. It just comes upon us, and we don't know the etiology or the cause of it. But we pray that that anxiety will be quelled by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Give them a word right from your mouth, Lord, through the Scriptures. Father, we pray for those that are going through relational stress right now with their neighbors because of differing political points of view or whatever, Lord. We pray, Lord Jesus, especially for the believer, Father, that he will be like the Good Samaritan Jesus. God, just touch, Lord, our relationships in our homes, Father, in our marriages, Father, with our children, for those children that are separated from their parents, Father God, through viewpoints and conflicts and whatever. We pray that you will join them again like the prodigal son and the father. Merciful God, bring strength and peace to all our fellowships, our churches, Lord. Help us to preach the rudimentary aspects of the gospel, not argue with each other, whether one's charismatic or not charismatic, whether one is reformed or not reformed, and we wind up spending most of our times arguing with each other when we should be expressing warmth, compassion, and love, because that's what God sees. Because the scripture says in Matthew 25, for as much as you've done it, a cup of cold water to a person that's thirsty, visiting someone in the hospital that's sick, going to visit someone and imprisoned, for as much as you did it to the least of these, especially the poor and the disenfranchised, that you minister to them on all levels, physical level, emotional level, relational level, for as much as you've done to these, you've done it to me. You've done it, you've done it towards me. Father God, help us. Help us, Lord, especially in these times, Lord, to be good Samaritans. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast. This is Pastor Tino, pastor of Free Gospel Assembly God Church in Flushing, Queens. Thank you for joining me, and I hope this word has blessed you. Join me next week for this podcast again, for the, our fifth podcast. Hopefully it's helping some people. It's certainly blessing me. God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.